welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher, and today on God is Open, we're going to be covering briefly the profile of a fanatic. As we talked about before, Calvinists are the SJWs of the world. They double down when they are shown to be wrong. And this is exactly what happened. Joe Sabo and I went over this article, Why I'm Not an Open Theist. We went through every single one of their proof texts. We showed how every single one of their proof texts was either a misreading or pulled out of context or didn't necessarily mean what they wanted to mean. And all their proof texts, remember, every single one of their proof texts, they said there are verses which expressly state that God knows all events past, present, and future. And they didn't. Not a single one did. Not a single one did. And so when we point this out, what happens? Is there a moment of self-reflection? Is there a moment where the Calvinist steps back and says, hey, maybe I have been uh, un unduly biased in my reading of the Bible. Maybe I import a lot of my philosophy unnecessarily into the Bible. Maybe I need to rethink all these proof texts. Anytime I'm reading the Bible, anytime I'm uh, interpreting my philosophy in any text, I might need to step back and take a second look at that text to see if that text really has my philosophy in mind. None of that. None of that. Calvinists are SJWs. They always double down. So going back to the original article, it looks like they changed some of the language. Oh, that's what you do. You just change some of your language, and instead of uh, boldly, obviously false claims that these verses state that God has omniscience, well, past, present, and future events, they change the phrase to this. Third, there are texts that fit better in a theology where God possesses exhaustive foreknowledge. Do they explain it? Do they explain it in any of these verses? Not in the original article. They don't. They think that just quoting verses means their philosophy. And as we showed, as we showed in our podcast, absolutely false. These people just import their theology onto the text without regards to the text, without regards to context, without regard to even the text. The text the text expressly, explicitly contradicted their philosophy, but they doubled down. Doubled down. So let's talk a little bit about the progression of events. They put out an article, these Calvinists, one or two Calvinists. They put their list of proof texts to prove explicitly that God knows all things past, present, and future, which absolutely zero of them did. None of them did. And so then they're refuted, they're pointed out, they're pointed out very publicly, and then they go back and they have this follow-up article. Now they're in defensive mode. They're trying to salvage their own proof text. The proof text that they thought in their head that they could quote without discussing those verses. They thought just putting those verses out there, stand alone by themselves, would prove their point. They were shown to be wrong. They were humiliated. Now they're in recovery mode. They're doubling down. So watch what they do with these verses. We could go here. Um, this is their follow-up article. And they start with philosophy because that's what they really love. They love philosophy. It's not biblical philosophy as we have shown. It's uh, their own philosophy in their own head. God isn't open. So linguistically, I think they've lost already. I don't, I don't think they understand how uh, uh, <laughs> persuasion works. You don't persuade people with these these negative phrases that people don't identify with. So maybe, I don't know, if I was the Calvinist, maybe God is uh, stable or God is reliable or <laughs> not God isn't open. Uh, linguistically, that's probably not your best best move for persuasion purposes. But aside from that, aside from that, let's go and see 
what they write. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Psalms 139.4. They respond, according to Joe Sabo, God can't actually know what the psalmist is going to say. False. You're a liar. You don't understand what Joe Sabo uh, thinks and you, what Joe Sabo says. You're a liar. It's a pretty telltale sign if uh, someone just doesn't accurately portray what the other person believes. If, if they have to build a false narrative in their own head about what someone else believes, that's a sign of intellectual disintegrity or intellectual laziness or just general lack of understanding. And, and you tend to see it in fanatics where they cannot accurately represent the people that they're criticizing. So would Joe Sable say that God can't actually know what the psalmist is going to say? Well, maybe if you import super philosophical concepts and language into these verses. And, uh, you know, he doesn't explain that. What he does is he uses equivocation of language, this author, in order to try to make his points. And he thinks that his points are just on the face value obvious to anyone who reads it. But not Joe Sable. Joe Sable wouldn't say that God can't actually know what the psalmist is going to say. Wouldn't say that. And this uh, writer, he's intellectually dishonest. He just cannot think outside of his own bubble, outside of his own box. So that's called the non-central fallacy when you're using a very technical definition of the word that not normal people have access to. Typically, knowledge is a justified true belief. And when you have knowledge of a future event, it's ex post facto judged. So when I said that I know Trump is going to win the election or I knew I put my money on Ted Cruz winning this latest election, I said, oh, I know that's going to happen. And then it did happen. Well, it looks like I had a justified true belief and I made 30% on predict it. So I made like, I don't know, like 30 bucks or something like that. I don't know, I have too much money on predict it, but, but it's fun. It's fun and it works and I knew it, but that's just a normal definition of knowledge. He wants a philosophical definition of knowledge that he doesn't explain in this article. He doesn't set up his terms. And so he's, he's casually lying to his reader. He's using terms in a very particular idiosyncratic way, which he never explains that's how he's using them. And that's why he can make lies. Like Joe Sabo says that God can know what people are going to say uh, because he, he could see the thoughts in their brain processing or whatever. And that way he can know what will be said. And then th this guy's very first uh, statement is, according to Joe Sabo, God can't actually know what the psalmist is going to say. Really? Really, because just the sentence before that, Joe Sable says God can know what people are going to say. This is dishonesty. We're dealing with a fanatic here who's doubling down on their proof text. Does he show, does this author show how this verse means eternal, exhaustive, foreknowledge, unoriginated in God's head? He doesn't. And does he step back and say, I, I guess that this doesn't meet uh, my proof text, my uh, the burden to be able to be used as a proof text to my philosophy doesn't. There's no self-reflection here. There's just doubling down, just misrepresentation. And and uh, what did I say about this verse? What did I say about this on the podcast? That normal people can know what other people are going to say before they say it because of close familiarity. And if you read Psalms 139, it's a very personal psalm about a personal relationship between King David and God. And it's not generalizable. It doesn't apply to everyone. It's not 
God is not putting a hedge around everyone, protecting everyone, being with everyone in their highs and lows. God doesn't do that for everyone. It's a very personal psalm. To try to generalize any of this and to try to even go from that to God eternally foreknows all events and uh, eternally knows all past events or present events, none of that's in this verse. Zero of it is implied. Zero of it is implied. It's about a particular individual and their personal relationship with God. And Josebo puts out the Will Duffy defense that God could see neurons firing in the brain to see what they're going to say. I don't think that's what King David had in mind at all. But that's another thing that uh, open theists can say. But that's funny because our author is wholly unfamiliar with all the different ways that open theists approach this text. And they just throw that verse out there in their previous article uh, as some sort of proof text for their view. Zero, zero self-reflection. They've done zero homework. Uh, they're, they're stuck in their bubble, their bubble where they've never ventured outside their bubble. And then they get pounded once they enter the real world. Moving on to uh, this next one, Psalms 139. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And here's what the author responds with. The issue seems to be once again that these statements are incompatible with a God that doesn't know the future. Did you listen to the podcast? Because me, myself, and Joe Sabo ultimately take Calvin's view on this verse. What is Calvin's view? Respond to that. Calvin's view is this is not about our days being predestined or anything like that. It's about fetology, the days being developed in the womb. This fanaticism, look at this. So there's multiple ways that uh, different people have approached this verse. And this verse is one that I used for John Sanders where he approaches it in six different ways. And the most likely one is the Calvin reading of this. He approaches it in like six, six different ways. That's Bruce Ware. And Bruce Ware replies, he only replies to one. Because these Calvinists, they don't seem to have intellectual integrity. No intellectual integrity. They don't, they don't care about the proof text that they want, want to take. And uh, they, they, they just want a proof text. They, they, they desperately need a proof text. They have no proof text. And so they're, they're reaching for anything, anything. And remember, back to our rules that uh, we discussed in the Joe Sable podcast. If you have a proof text and there's plausible alternative other readings of that proof text that don't fit the point you're trying to make, it's not a good proof text. It's not a good proof text. These Calvinists have zero proof text. No proof text. There's no eternal divine foreknowledge proof texts in the Bible. Moving down to the next proof text, and, and remember, th these are mitigating strategies. This guy, he's been pounded. He gave proof texts for God knowing all past, present, and future events. Absolutely none of them had anything to do with it, and it was so far off that it's, it's just laughable that they were presented as proof texts for this belief. And so he included a very, very common ancient Near East idea of God's in heaven and God's looking down and watching the world a visual omniscience. And you get, you get a lot of visual omniscience in, in the ancient religions. If you get the book All-Knowing God by Petazzoni, he talks about uh, various and, ancient Near East uh, and, ancient Near East uh, deities with visual omniscience, and Yahweh was one of them. And guess what? It was, how does this guy respond? Um, he, this Calvinist used them as proof texts. God seen all things. It says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before him. 
And then in Psalms 33, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. He does not believe this. He does not believe these verses. So he's, he's taking verses that he does not believe and saying, see these verses that I do not believe. Uh, figuratively, they mean my philosophy is true. Not the literal meaning. You got to look above the literal meaning. You got to have this other different meaning. And that's, that's my meaning. That's not a proof text for you if that's the case. If these are just figurative statements, not a proof text for what you're trying to prove. Stop doubling down. Yeah, stop, stop it. You're doing bad theology and you're doing bad intellectual work and you're showing yourself to be intellectually disingenuous and intellectually dishonest. Back down, apologize and reevaluate your philosophy. Reevaluate re your reading of the Bible. Reevaluate your position because your proof texts do not prove what you're claiming that they prove. There needs to be more self-reflection. He writes this. The language is his caress for the fact that God knows everything that we have done and will do. I'm not doubting that God has a, a knowledge of everything we have done, but not will do. God currently watching people, watching events. Uh, the point of these omniscience proof texts were typically to say, God knows all your past evil acts and so repent. So it's, it's usually about past and present knowledge. It's categorizing evil people's deeds that they can't do in secret. And so it's not about general omniscience of all things. It's not about rocks on remote islands. It's not about some bird that's uh, cooing while it's flying where no one's around. It's not about that. It's about people categorizing people's actions, activities, knowing what people do so that people will be held accountable for their actions. Not about future events. It's not about general omniscience. It's nothing about that. Nothing about that in these verses. But he is desperate for a proof text. He doubles down on verses that absolutely have nothing to do with his philosophy. And he just claims it. He says, these are metaphorical for my view. Okay, if that's the game we're playing, the whole Bible is metaphorical for open theism is true. And your doctrine of eternal divine uh, foreknowledge of all events, omniscience of all things... The Bible is also metaphorical for that being uh, Platonism, uh, outright explicit Platonism. That's what the Bible metaphorically teaches in every single passage if we're going to play the metaphorical game. So that's my new proof text, the entire Bible. I'll see your one proof text, your two proof texts, which you say are metaphorical. And since I got like 80,000 proof texts, I think I win the proof text battle there. Is, is that how we're doing this now? That to any verse can be, mean anything? You just have to read between the lines. Fantastic, fantastic. Genesis 18, he says this. This is another open theist text that contradicts their view of open theism. If God isn't aware of everything that is present in creation, then Joe Sabo's own text disproves his position. Do they? What is Joe Sabo's position? What is Joe Sabo's position? And how does it contradict Joe Sabo's position? Remember, when you're arguing with open theists, there are so many different types of open theists that you have to understand which type you're arguing against in order to accurately refute them. So, if Joe Sabo takes Genesis 18 literally, literally, then he believes in divine nescience. That God, God is not this metaphorically calculable creature that must have all present true propositions in his mind at all time. The Bible doesn't read like that's true. That's, that's a Greek conception of how God must be. It's metaphysics. The Bible isn't metaphysics. The Bible doesn't describe God 
as he has to be the greatest good imaginable and we have to run these formulas and he can't uh, not have uh, access to a true proposition which is in existence. These are Greek categories, not ancient Near East categories. God in ancient Near East religion did not have to know all true propositions. That's not a category you're going to find in the Bible. Generally, knowledge of everything, you see that applied to mankind. King David is said to know everything. Uh, the people that in uh, the New Testament in 1 John 2.20, they know everything. Even, uh, what, the, the Prince of Tyre knows all secrets of the heart. People are said to know everything throughout the Bible. It's just common terminology that's used of general knowledge of a lot of things. And so you, you really have to try to prove using using context to prove that your definition of omniscience is the one being talked about in any proof text. And I guarantee it's not. They did not have these conceptions. They did not have these ideas about God. They did not try to treat God like a metaphysical being like uh, so many modern scholars try to do. They didn't treat him like that with formulas and trying to derive what the greatest possible God is. They treated him like a person, like an individual with volition, with options, with emotions, making judgments on emotions and, and weighing consequences of different things and, and sometimes deciding and sometimes regretting those decisions. This is who God is. It's not a formulaic being. It's a personal being. Now, there might be some open theists who believe that God knows all true propositions, but I don't think that's Josebo. I don't think that you spent any time trying to figure out the positions of the people that you're trying to argue against. It's, it's, very, it's very frustrating. And it, it does demonstrate that lack of intellectual integrity. And just claiming that other people are saying things that they did not say, and you have no quotes of them making those statements and then attributing ideas to them and pretending to refute them, this is intellectually disingenuous. Intellectually disingenuous. But anyways, the point of this podcast is not to go through every single one of his responses to every single one of his proof texts that we showed didn't actually have the meaning that he claimed. It's not to do that. It's actually to show the profile of the mindset of a fanatic. They'll uh, assume that uh, their position is true. They'll offer evidence without explanation. They'll just add these little clips. They, they will intuitively, intuitively, their, their mind is trained to just read their ideas into texts, into texts where their ideas are not at all present. They'll just assume their ideas into whatever that they're reading, whatever data they're consuming, and they are so blind that they can't consider other positions. They're unable to look at things from other perspectives that aren't their own. They're in a bubble world. They're in this occult mindset, which doesn't allow them to interact with people outside that cult mindset. They will assume a lot of their propositions, they'll assume a lot of their assumptions, and they'll, they'll argue with themselves, basically. Uh, you don't even need to show up to these debates, typically. Uh, they'll say, oh, here's the things you believe. Well, do I? Because I never said that, and that's false. And th so they, they'll project on you what they want you to believe, and so once they do that, then they're, they're fighting their own straw man in their own head. It's a lot easier to fight against a straw man than to someone who can respond and to interact in people who could actually articulate uh, their actual beliefs rather than your straw men. You notice this acute lack of self-reflection. He never steps back and reevaluates uh, the, the mindset that he must have been in to so dishonestly post all those proof texts that had nothing to do with what he's trying to prove. 
no self-reflection. And there's, there's no even, it doesn't even look like there's an attempt in his follow-up article to reclaim those as definite proof of God's eternal divine foreknowledge. He can't prove it. It's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't share his philosophy. Which is, is a real problem for him because he really loves philosophy. That's that's what his go-to thing. He's like, oh, I'm such a good philosopher. And so he spends all his time talking about this philosophy. But ultimately, all this philosophy comes down to is the moralistic fallacy. Any philosophical argument that he makes, uh, if, if you're making an argument and all your opponent has to do is this, they step back and say, all right, take everything you just said. We'll pretend all that your conclusions, your jumps of logic, just pretend all that nonsense is true, which it's not. It's not, not true at all. Uh, let's pretend your conclusions are correct. So what? If someone could say so what to your argument, uh, you got a bad argument. You got a really bad argument. Basically, his arguments boil down to is, I wouldn't like God if God was like this. And and this plus this, and this means this. And I know you might not agree with that, but this plus this means something that I don't like. It's a moralistic fallacy. It's a bad argument. Typically, philosophical arguments are terrible arguments. And, and so a good way, if you don't want to be dealing with this nonsense, and it is nonsense 100%, they just say, you know what, the biblical authors didn't, don't agree with you. They don't agree with your philosophy. Um, there's other religions. You don't have to be a Christian. And so since your philosophy is not biblical, you know, I could point you to other religions that you might uh, like a little bit more. Have you ever looked into Neoplatonism? You sound like a Neoplatonist. Uh, it's not biblical philosophy. You know, they won't be too happy with that. But that will at least try to direct the conversation back to the Bible. When they are forced to confront the Bible and jive that with their philosophy and prove the biblical authors share their philosophy, they can't do it. These were not Greek philosophers who wrote the Bible. These were Jewish theologians who cared about relational and open theology, not closed, static, uh, platonic philosophy. Those were not the authors of the Bible. All right, for a mini-sode, we're, we're running kind of long, so I'm going to cut us off about there. Thanks for listening. Wait! Who are you? It's me, Mario! Mario!